Hello, I'm Shell of Lionheart's Fitness. If you don't know about us by now, please check out our website, lionheartsfitness.com. Free fitness for all youth, particularly obstacle course racing. Right now, here is your podcast, I Am Spartan Podcast, with our favorite host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy. I am Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. Have you checked out the show's sponsor yet? Do me a huge favor and go and check out monkeygrip.com. They make these cool rope attachments that go around your pull-up bar, and they also go around dumbbells, too. So you can max out your pull-ups and then slip them off of the pull-up bar and put them on the dumbbells and do farmer's carries to max out your grip even further. They also make a monkey fist type attachment that goes around the pull-up bar and the dumbbells the same way. They also have some liquid chalk and who doesn't need a little extra liquid chalk in their life? But go and check them out at monkeygrip.com and follow them on monkeygrip on Instagram too. Thanks. Got a cool interview here. I didn't make it to World's Toughest Mudder, but I knew I was going to interview someone who did. And when I saw that Stephanie Bland did, this was her first year there, and she had an amazing race. She had over 100 miles tracked with penalties, and she finished officially with 85 miles and placed third place for the women. And I knew she would have an amazing story to tell, and she did. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Here's the interview with Stephanie Bland. Stephanie Bland, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. It's Monday and I'm off work. So the hardest part of the week is done, hopefully. (laughs) Got that right. (laughs) So I want to talk to you about, you know, your past weekend at World's Toughest Mudder. You know, look like everybody was having an awesome time. But before we get into that, I already know a little bit about you. I know that you're a pretty, you're a really good ultra runner. But did you like tell us like your your background in that? Like, how did you come become this ultra runner? Is it something? Have you ran your whole life or? So I started running when I was um, in my twenties. I got on a travel co-ed team where we did a hundred mile relays down south. And I just loved it. It was so fun. And we would just, that's back in my, my baby years when I got to travel all over and do fun things. But um, I just learned to love running. And then I got into doing marathons and I had, you know, my big bucket list of going to Boston marathon. Um, I actually qualified while I was pregnant and I had no idea. And it happened Mm. to be 2012. And the year that we went was 2013. And that was the year the bombs went off. Right. So, well, like the whole reason behind why I came an ultra runner was I was in between the bombs when they went off and I got to see, I actually ran past somebody whose legs was blown off and I experienced this like crazy time in Boston. I mean, it's just one that you don't want to remember, but I do kind of want to remember because it makes me the runner that I am now. So when I left Boston, um, I actually stopped running completely. I had a fear of running. I lived in Mm. fear for a time until I got over it. And then as soon as I, you know, ended up like forgiving what happened, um, I learned to run again and I learned my love for it, but it was deeper and it was this bigger passion that I wanted to run for people who can't run anymore from what I saw. So then I was like, I want to do something bigger and I want to do it for people that aren't here any longer. So I decided to just sign up for ultras. And then I just found this love for it. And now every time I run, it's not for me. It's not because I want to do it. It's for somebody else who can't run anymore. So that's what got me into it. So when that blast happened, like, like, like how close were you? And what did, what did you think was going on? So the first bomb was right in was at the finish line. So I made the turn. I was at 26.1 when the first bomb went off. So wow. I even crossed the finish line. And then the second bomb was behind me. So I was literally right in between the bombs. So it was, and then my son, so he was only three and a half months old. He was only a hundred feet away from the second bomb. When we got home, we had to have his ears. T- it was like, Oh my God. 
yeah, it was so crazy. But now both my kids are runners. I coach their team. Um, we just, we take something negative that happened and we try to turn it into a positive. Mm. How long did it take you to kind of get over? I'm sure you probably had like a little PSD from that. Oh yeah. I still have it. I have, every time I go to the start line, I always like get nervous and I try to find my escape route of where I can go. And then the finish, I get really nervous, but I mean, it took me a good year to get over it and like learn how to run again. Cause I didn't know how to run. I didn't want to run. I was so scared. So it took a lot, but then it just, I just wanted to do more. I just felt something deeper and stronger for a love for running. Is that, is that why you started leaning more towards the ultra scene because there's not as big a crowds at the start and finish <laughs> well, that was one. <laughs> right but I also like I wanted to test my body of how far I could really really go and once you once you figure out why you're running and who you're running for it just almost becomes like your body's numb and it just something takes over and that's how I feel when I run and where are you from Michigan Michigan oh, okay and what do you do for a living so I work for GM. I'm actually a wire harness buyer. <laughs> Super fun. So there was a brief moment where I worked for a, a GM company that made car batteries down here in Fitzgerald, Georgia. And that plant actually, they shut down. And the only reason why I was able to get a job there is because they were closing because it was a United Auto Workers Union plant there and pretty much it was very tough to get on there unless you were in the union but when they closed they bought out a lot of the uh union contracts and so they hired up a lot of local people and i think like half of their maintenance guys accepted the buyout and just you know decided to leave them shorthand yeah. and they needed like 30 guys yesterday so it was oh. one of the easiest interviews i ever went to and one of the best paying jobs <laughs> 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 okay so you're this you're this great ultra runner i think i saw where you've done a bunch of last man standing events you even got 120 miles at ode to laz which is super impressive and you were second overall yeah it's 125 125 what I got. <laughs> right. okay i was going by ultra sign up page <laughs> so yeah I mean, I like, I have a love and hate for backyard ultras. I like them for training runs because you can stop whenever you want to stop and you can keep going if you want to keep going. So they're fun. Right. But um, yeah, they're a good time. So I, I saw you were second. What was the, the, the factor that made you decide, okay, enough is enough? So I, I had like so much more in the tank, but like my goal was to do 125 like that was my goal because I was training for worlds so I didn't want to like I just wanted to hit like a really long run but then once I got to like 112 everybody kept like falling and just stopping and not showing up at the start line again and I'm like what's going on so when I down to like the top three like I kept telling my husband I'm like you know I'm only going I'm only going to hit 125 so in my head like I already had placed that little seed so I think that's kind of what happened. I mean, all my family was there. And that's the other thing that's kind of hard is like, I have two kids. And so when they come crew me and they're out there for a really long time, sometimes I feel bad that I'm being selfish because I'm out there for so long. And it's like, you know, I should really be home with them as well. So that's a little bit that plays into it. And once you're mentally checked out, it's really hard to keep going. So in my mental head, like 125, that was it. Hmm. So now looking back, I'm like, damn it. Like I should have kept going, but that's how race goes at the end where you're like, Oh crap. <laughs> right. Well, this I mean, is still super impressive. And just to say that you quit on your own terms. I mean, that just, it says how great of a runner that you are. Um, so what, how did you find out about world's toughest mutter and what, you know, gave you the extra push to go after it this year? So my buddy, Jeff Lipper has been to worlds. I think this was his fifth time. And so we do ultras together and he kept pushing and being like, dude, you got to try these. You got to try these tough mutters. And I'm like, I mean, I guess I can try them. We'll see. Like, I guess I could add something else to my bucket list. So we went into the season as like, we're going to do Philly, Pittsburgh and worlds. And we did it all three together. And I really liked them. Like I thought they were super fun. I'm like, I get to play in the mud all day and run and climb on things like that's awesome. So going into worlds, like 
I didn't have, I don't have much of a background when it comes to like grip strength and obstacle training. Um, I had my husband build me an eight foot wall in my backyard. So we look like crazy neighbors because we live in a downtown. Right. So I'm a neighbor that has a big wall in my backyard, but that's how I trained. So I learned to like jump over the wall and use that for grip strength. And then every time I was doing monkey bars with my kids and stuff like that, but I didn't have like any other background training. So I just kind of went into it as like, let's just have fun. Like whatever happens, happens. But worlds, I had a blast. Like I thought it was so much fun. I loved every second of it. And it wasn't just like the race in general. Mm. The people were amazing. They're like your family. Like I literally yep. met people and then I met people in Pittsburgh and then I saw all of them at worlds. And it was like a family reunion. Like I just, I loved it. So I feel like I had so much energy and I felt energy around me that I was like, we're going to do this. We're going to go all the way until I can't run anymore, 25 hours. And that's exactly what happened. So what was your training like, like say before you decided to go to worlds and how did you kind of change it up when you decided that you were going to do this? Yeah. So I, I mean, I run literally every day, but that's because I, I love it and I, it's fun. But, um, one of the things like my buddy Jeff said, he's like, you have to start like doing strength training. A lot of it, you got to work on your grip strength, your upper body. Like you need to work on these things. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're probably right. So changed everything up where as far as not so much long running and just more breaking up my workouts as like running, lifting, running or running, grip work, running. Like I just try to incorporate different type of things. Um, lots of hit workout. Um, I did a lot of like, uh, weight training while running. So with like my, my heavy vest, I would run with go up hills. Um, the good thing is, is that I coach cross country. So in track, so I'm with my kids, I have 62 kids and I run with them every day mm -hmm. at practice. So we do workouts constantly and that's always fun. So, yeah. So what's a typical like week of mileage for you or, or time? Yeah. So typical mileage is probably 65 miles is where I like to roughly stay. Um, usually try to work out like one to two hours a day, just depends on like what my schedule is. But a lot of that too is coaching. So I might do like my specific workout for an hour um, in the morning or at lunchtime, whenever I get like a little tiny break. Um, and then if I'm coaching, then I'm out with my kids for, you know, hour and a half, two hours where we're running and we're doing, you know, a lot of hit training style work. So, okay. But it's so, hard. Um, so I got to fit it in when I can fit it in and I have a full-time career. So, and I'm a wife, so I have a lot of other things that are really important to me too. So just trying to balance that all is pretty difficult, but I'm I think sure. if you want that enough, you just, you just make it work. Like there's really no like secret ingredient. You just kind of make it work. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's hard, you know, with a family too. I, I'm, I don't have any kids, but if I had kids, I probably wouldn't exercise at all just because, you know, when you're working nine to five, you know, you come home, you know, dinner, you know, kids, schoolwork, you know, I, I could see it being super difficult to, you know, get anything yeah. done. And then just the stress of always being on the go, you know, I, I could see it. I probably wouldn't do anything if I had kids. Can you imagine now 10 and eight? So they're, they're awesome. Like they're so like, they were raised on this though. This is, they know this as far as like, that's all they do know. So, I mean, since they've been babies, like I've always ran with them and that's what they grew up. They grew up pitting me. So they know what it's like for me to run all night and all day. And I mean, they're kind of spoiled in the fact that they'll go to school and someone's, someone will be like, my mom ran a marathon. And my kids mm -hmm. are like, my mom runs a hundred miles. Like it's nothing. And I'm like, you can't say that. Everybody does amazing. You have to congratulate them, but they're just used to that. So like that's, and like my, my son tonight, he'll probably want to put on night gear and go for like a little two, three mile run before bed. Cause that's just what he likes to do. So like my kids are, they're just custom to like, that's normal life, which I don't know if it's necessarily normal, but that's their normal. <laughs> well, that, that's cool that, you know, that they enjoy to run with you. And I'm sure that's fun for you as well. You know, that they enjoy to do the things that you like to do. And hopefully they'll, you know, stick with it and it not be one of those things they grow out of when they sure. become teenagers. Yeah. Um, sure. So you're coming into the week of World's Toughest Mudder. Did you do, say, like a taper for it or was it just business as usual? 
it's just normal stuff. I don't really taper because I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't really believe in so much as taper. Um, I just stick with what I know and keep in my regular routine. Um, I just did and something that I did differently was actually a lot more research. So I started listening to podcasts of like a month out. Um, I started really listening to like, there was a lot of different podcasts on like how to stay warm. Like that was one of the things I was a little nervous about too, is last year I heard all these horror stories of how cold it was. So I mean, I bought every freaking wetsuit you could imagine just because I was like, I don't want to be cold out there. So I just, and nutrition wise, um, I'm pretty geared in on my nutrition just from my endurance runs. I know what works. I know what my body reacts to. So I'm really good with that kind of stuff. But a lot of it was just kind of like learning the different obstacles, um, watching like kind of the techniques of them. So I just basically was doing my homework, which I normally, you know, when it's an ultra run, I'm just kind of running. I'm not really focused on anything else, but getting my mental ready to go. And this was different, very different. So it was interesting. I wanted to like learn more. Like even Jeff, my buddy was like, Seth, like you don't have to listen to every podcast. Like it's okay. I'm like, but I want to, I want to hear more. Like I want to know. <laughs> Hey, there's, there's nothing wrong with hearing other people's experiences. I mean, and that's the best way to learn is through other people's mistakes and their experience, especially in OCR, because there's just so much unknowns that can happen. And it's especially at world's toughest mutter. And last year it was crazy because everybody was expecting, oh, it's in Alabama, almost Florida. You know, we were very close to the coast of Florida and we just knew it was going to be great weather. And during the hot lap it was probably 85 degrees and the next day at lunch when the race started you were able to run the first two laps and it wasn't even cold but you could feel this front just kind of coming through and when yeah. it dropped it dropped and it got super cold and we were blessed that that course was in the woods for the most part there was yeah. one little section that was probably like a quarter or a half a mile where you were running out in the open and there was like 18 mile per hour winds and they were just oh. cutting through you. It was awful. It just makes it 10 times harder. Like it really does. It plays such an impact on your race. It sucks. <laughs> as long as you could move like in, in like the slowest jog, you could stay warm though. The wetsuit would keep you warm if you had the right gear, of course, and you had a windbreaker on. Yeah. So, I mean, it was totally doable, but I, I pulled my hamstring on, uh, I think they called it barrel chested at world's toughest mutter, but it was called something else. You know, they always yeah. change the names of them and <laughs> I'd pulled my hamstring on that. And so I didn't, it, but it was kind of weird the way it felt. So I didn't want to, you know, injure myself more. So I kind of walked the rest of that lap and by, and just from doing that, I was freezing when I got back to the finish line. So I, I took a five hour break and then went out in the morning when the sun come out and got my extra two laps and got 50. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, did you do the hot lap? I did actually, I, well, I didn't get to finish all the way because we had the meeting at, what was it? Five or something or four. And we went out late on the hot lap. So I, I took my kids out on the hot lap so they could see whatever, um, obstacles were up. So, we walked it and then actually my son and my husband finished it. I cut off at like, I don't know, I think I was at mile three and I cut off to make the meeting and they went and finished it so they could, I think my son just secretly wanted to try the obstacles is why they did it. But I was like, go scope it out and like check it out for me. So yeah, we did it. It was fun. So what did you think after doing the hot lap? I like love the course. So they, you were like up on this mountain and it overlooked everything and being from Michigan, like, they say mountain and it's like a little baby hill. Like we don't have that stuff. Like our ski hill is like a little baby hill. Like it's just, not, I don't have that. So it took you to the top. And I, right when I hit that, I was like, this is going to be beautiful for the sunset. Like in the sun and coming up in the morning too, it's going to be so pretty. Like I loved the course. I thought it was awesome. Um, it was dry. You could definitely tell it was super dry. Even like just running, you could feel in your chest. It was dry, but it was beautiful. And I loved it. I love the heat. So I was, I thought it was awesome. I was it made me more pumped for Saturday. So I was glad I did it. And speaking of Saturday, like you wake up Saturday morning, like what you knew your race was at 12 and that was probably super, 
you know, different from any race you've ever done. So what were you doing since the time you woke up until the start of the race? Freaking out. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I really was. I was actually very, very nervous because I didn't know what to expect. Like 100 milers, I know what to kind of expect. But this, I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. It's either going to go good. It's either going to go bad. But I'm just going to have fun with it is what I really wanted to do. So I pretty much the night before, like I made all my, I, I drink like amino energy and tailwind. So I had already pre-made all my bottles and I had my salt tablets and every little mile marker. Like I'm, I'm a little OCD when it comes to that stuff. So everything was already planned all out. So really it was just showing up and like making sure I was mentally there. Cause that's a big thing is like getting your mind right too, not just your body. So just mentally getting ready and, um, my kids were there and they were so pumped because they had the the pit the pit crew bibs and they were so excited. So I mean, I no, I vibes. I was pumped up. I was just really nervous. <laughs> I can imagine. Okay, so you're going into the race. It's your first time at World's Tough Mudder. You have done a toughest and you've done an infinity, and that's it, right? That's it. So <laughs> that's all bro. This, this was your third tough mudder. And it was the 24 hour world's toughest mutter. How are you planning? Like, what was your pace strategy going in? To not walk. That was like my thing is just don't walk whatever you do. Um, try to be quick on the obstacles as possible, but just don't walk. So that's what I was trying to do. But there was actually quite a few like good hills out there. So eventually I was walking up those hills, but I felt like I was still moving in a good pace. Um, and that was really my strategy is just like, don't, and the whole thing too, is that in the pit. So I, I tell my kids before I love you, but I am not going to chit chat with you when I hit the pit crew, because I just can't, like, I can't waste any time. So, um, they Thanks, have that. Mom. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, I got it. Whatever. You know, roll their but they, they do, they get it. I'm like, I'll love on you the next day. Right. So. That was my other thing too, is be quick in the pit. Don't, don't like sit there and chit chat. And I was, I was, I did what I needed to do. I mean, I felt like I was pretty quick. So that was pretty much my strategy is try not to walk and be quick in the pit. Did you have like a hard and a soft goal for the race or was it just keep moving, be out there for the whole 25 and a half hours? So I wanted to hit a hundred miles. That was like my big mental goal kind of, because I just, I knew with my running, like how, what I can hit a hundred in. So I'm like, okay, I think that I might be capable of doing that. So why not just go big and try to go for that? Um, with the penalties, I was definitely at 108 miles dude, on my watch when wow. I finished. <laughs> well, so, you got your goal. You hit your goal. You got a hundred miles at world's toughest mother. Exactly. So, <laughs> makes me you know refocus a little bit more for next year and it's not that i'm not going to set my goal high next year but i'm just going to kind of have a little more know what to do in preparation before right so in atmore and they said this year they were going to make the penalties tougher because there was some because we had the dingleberry obstacle at atmore and the penalty was way easier than yeah. doing the obstacle because the obstacle was tough on your hands and it was just a tough grip obstacle period um there was some penalty loops out there but none of them were i don't think there was a single one that was over a quarter of a mile and probably yeah. not even a quarter of a mile so i but there were they were goofy stuff like you had to strap the two by fours to your to your feet, probably the longest penalty they had. They had one that was a sandbag carry. And mm -hmm. then they had one where you had to do like eight holes of croquet. And then you had to do the stick <laughs> hit shot at the end. And that was Mutterhorn. Yeah. Because they had that big slide on, on Mutterhorn. So that was probably <laughs> the most time consuming uh, obstacle they had there. And I, I played, I played co croquet one time because I did not want to get wet again. So. <laughs> I was trying to stay as dry as possible. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you said you were trying to come in and out of the pit as quick as possible, but did you have like a strategy like you were going to stop in the pit every time or every other time? Were you using the quick pit mostly? What was your yeah. pit strategy? 
I actually never went back to my pit. We only did the quick pit. So my husband or my brother were, was always there and we just had everything I needed. And I was going to go every single loop because like with me, I know how my body is. Like I need salt tablets every five miles. Like that's just how I work. I need to have that. And aminos and tailwind and I would just grab as much as I could and get it down as fast as I could and then just walk until I hit like the start and then I would go so it was pretty just quick but I didn't know I wanted to stop every time because I knew like I think it's mental too a lot of it is like okay let's work really hard so we can get to the stop so I can get my tailwind or whatever I need I'm gonna love that it's gonna taste really good and it's gonna help me and then I'm gonna go back out so I definitely wanted to stop every single time so when you say you were getting tailwind and, and aminos every time, were you picking up more to take with you or were you ingesting it right there at the quick pit and then doing another lap and coming back and doing that every time? So I would, I have like, I make these like eight ounce bottles. They're, I don't know, little like water bottles. And I fill them up with one for tailwind, one for amino. And I'll usually just chug the tailwind down or amino, one of the two, and then take the other one with me. So, and then I'm usually done with it within like a couple seconds because I'm thirsty. Um, and then I swap out, I take like a, I have like a little water bottle I keep in my pocket. The It's like a, a soft one. Mm-hmm. And I just out with my husband, he has it ready for me to go grab it. And then I just keep going on my loop. So it was like, really like, it just came like normal behavior. I think I did ramen. So I've never had ramen noodles in my entire life before. And at nighttime I was like, I'm hungry. I'm actually starving. Like I need some food. And my brother went and made me some ramen noodles. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. And now I'm like, I never want to see ramen noodles ever again in my life. <laughs> I despise ramen noodles. I don't, I don't like them at all, but yeah. my, my girlfriend's kid, he's eight and like, you'll ask him what he wants for dinner. And that's what he'll choose. Like he'll choose that over chicken nuggets, which is amazing to me. You know, I'm like, really, you want ramen noodles? I remember when you used to buy these things for like 10 cents, it's like garbage food. Yeah. You know? <laughs> five now or something. So they're still cheap. <laughs> yeah. I, I never had a, a taste for it. Like if you mixed like some hamburger meat in it and actually made something yeah. with the noodles, I, I'm good to go, but just eating them with the powder flavor on it. Yeah. I know. No. I'd, re- I'd rather have chicken soup than ramen noodles. Yeah. Right. I don't know. For some reason it was really good and I ate a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, plenty of sodium in that too, for sure. Uh-huh. So besides ramen noodles and tailwind, was that pretty much the only nutrition you had for the whole whole race? So I take Huma. Um, it's like these little gels on uh, all natural. It's really easy on my stomach. It helps with my stomach. So I always grabbed one and I took one out on the course and I usually had that at like two and a half miles. So that's pretty much it though. Yeah. Those are a lot like spring energy gels, right? Just yeah. a little, little bit more affordable. Yeah. They're super light though. Like you can take it. I can really squeeze it and take it in one gulp. And I feel awesome after they're, they're so good. What's your favorite flavor of that? The apple cinnamon. Yeah. I think that one's mine too. I like apple cinnamon. Like when it comes to stuff, that's more of like a a sauce consistency. I like that apple where it's kind of like applesauce. I love that. Yeah. Oh, me too. It's so good. Okay. So what was your gear strategy for the event? Did you actually ever get into your wetsuits or were you running warm enough the entire time you never had to? So I never got into a wetsuit. I got into, I had like a zip up um, that I put on that was like a water or like a wetsuit top um, that I put on for maybe like three or four loops because I got a little bit cold at night and I had my windbreaker on um, for maybe a couple loops. But I mean, my body temperature was pretty solid. Like I never got really cold or anything. I felt pretty good. So I mean, that was the whole thing too, is if I keep moving and pushing forward, then my body will stay warm because I don't like to be cold. I'm a baby. So I'm like, if, as soon as I go cold, like we're in trouble. So as long as I was moving, I was good. <laughs> so I heard that it was like super windy there. And like everybody was saying they were getting wind chapped and their lips were really <laughs> chapped. Right. When I got done, <laughs> that's probably why. <laughs> <sighs> Well, it, it, I just, I can imagine it being really windy at night, you know, and I think it, what did it get to down to like 50 degrees? So I imagine yeah. that did get pretty cold with the wind. Yeah. I honestly didn't even really notice the wind. Um, it could have been windy. I honestly don't even remember. It's so weird. Like the night loops. I'm like, when someone asked me about the night, I'm like, I really don't remember. Like, I can't remember being out on the loops. I don't know what happened to me. Like, I just went like, 
I don't know, in the zone or something. Cause I don't remember. <laughs> so out of all your, you know, your fuel, your gear, your pace and your pit strategy, did everything work the way you planned or, you know, what worked, what didn't work? Um, as far as like the pit crew stuff, that went great. No, I think that was awesome. Um, a big thing too. So if you were out there, it was funny. My brother was reading these little letters. So my, one of my coaches that I coach with, she had all my kids write inspirational letters for every single loop. So when I, once I got right to pit, my brother would open it up and read it out loud as fast as he could. And so it would like make me either cry or like, I don't know, laugh or something. Um, and while I'm getting my fuel. So it just like made me feel inspired and just like uplifted and everything was great with pit. If anything I could change was just not getting so many penalties. Um, but I mean, I can't complain because I love running. So I wasn't mad about the penalties. I mean, everybody was kind of upset about them, but it's like, what are you going to bitch about? You know what you signed up for. There's going to be penalties. We don't know what they are. You just take it as it is and you just keep going. So See, now that's just that right there is that's the mindset to have. That's the attitude to have. You signed up for world's toughest mudder, not world's mediocre mudder. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, that's what makes this event so unique. You don't know what the weather is going to be the day of the race. You don't know what the penalties are going to be. You don't know how taxing the obstacles are going to be that's what makes it tough that's what makes it unique you know it, yeah. it, it's it's a 24-hour race and it's going to suck there's going to be right. a part of the race where it sucks and that's what you signed up for you know it's yeah, yeah I, mean, like, it, I knew going to like, you have to embrace the suck there's not gonna if you're comfortable at any time then you're not doing it right you should be extremely uncomfortable but that's how you have to get through it just embrace it Take it as like, hey, one step at a time, you're just going to, you're going to get to the finish. Either you're going to get to the finish pissed off or you're going to get to the finish happy. One of the two. Right. So take it as it is and you just keep moving. Yeah. And, and and to add to what you were, you said you had, you, your brother was reading these notes. That, yeah. is, that is a great idea. And the reason why is, is because like every time you come into the pit, you have a message from somebody, you know, that's mm -hmm. just something that you can think about that whole lap and look yeah. forward to hearing something from somebody else on the next lap. And it just gives you something to have in thought that whole lap. It's such a great idea. Exactly. And it takes your mind off things for a second too. Mm -hmm. Like you have hurting. So it just takes your mind off of like that sucky feeling and puts you into like this happy land. And you just take that with you on the next loop. And you know that you go hard because the next loop, you're going to get another little love letter. So it, it it's awesome. Yeah, I, I highly recommend everyone to do that. Yeah, that's a great idea. So you you talk about how you had some problems with the obstacles. What obstacles were giving you trouble? And was it one of those things where you could get the obstacles earlier on and fatigue set in and then you couldn't do them later? Yeah, so I actually did really well with like the, the hanging one I was I was great with. I actually didn't think it was that hard. Um, and then Spunky Monkey, I got that. But then once it got really wet, that was the other problem. So during the nighttime, like it got, it got wet and it was slippery and everybody, like, I didn't see a lot of people actually attempt the apps or attempt to do it. They just took the penalty because you would jump up and immediately just slip off. Like it was very slippery. And then in the morning, once I, I was like, oh, I got this. It's dried out. The sun's up. I like jumped up for the hanging tough one and it completely just fell. And I was like, Oh crap. Like my arms are done. Like mm. I'm out now I'm really going to be running. <laughs> so, but I mean, and that's one thing I have to definitely work on. And then when it came to the shaft one with that damn pull, <laughs> I got this, like, I'm fine. I got shocked so hard. It shot me back and I fell on the ground and I was like, screw this crap. Like I, penalty <laughs> i am not doing that <laughs> what was so, the penalty for that one running right. <laughs> you had to put and on top of uh your knees so like on your quads and run but it wasn't like a tight band so it wasn't that bad i didn't i actually thought that was one of the easier ones it was only like a quarter of a run so it wasn't bad at all hmm. as far as i put on my ass like that was not fun <laughs> 
Yeah, I feel like, you know, if if it takes you a long time to do that obstacle, a quarter mile extra run doesn't seem like too bad of a penalty for sure. Especially if you're getting the piss shocked out of you, for sure. Right. (laughs) And the grappler one, the one where like you had to throw and then catch it um, in between. So that was cool. Like, I actually thought that was kind of cool. And I practiced it on Friday and I like got the technique down. But then the problem is, is like, you only had three shots to do it. If you mess up, it's not like you can give them your penalty ban. You're done. Like you got to go do that penalty. So I missed it. And so I did three, three tries and I missed it. And the last one, I was like, this is, this is going to be bad. I know it. I went for the run and it honestly, it felt like a mile. And Mm. so from then, like from then on, I was like, all right, I got to be smart. Like, I'm not going to take that chance of you know, the three tries, because if I do screw up, like I'm adding on and I'm just going to add more time. Like I not going to, I might not do as well. So I would use a band on that one for sure. Every single time. And I mean, whether it was smart or not, I don't know. I just was not going to take that shot. Like that chance of only getting three tries and then doing that mile that no way. Mm -mm. Well, in, in it, not only that, you know, taking the time to wind that rope back up and throw the ball three times that takes time. And I can only imagine that you probably got there several times and there was people in front of you, you had to wait on as well. Oh yeah. Every time there was a line too. And even though they were really kind and they would like let, you know, elite people go. I mean, everyone's so great. It's still, I always feel bad doing that, especially when they just wound up there four times and they're about to go you know or they've been waiting a while too so for me it was just like one of those ones i just give them my band right away and just keep moving on i think that was smart i probably would have done the same thing especially if it had the longest uh penalty <laughs> loop as well it was ever ending penalty loop so that's why i was like nope we're not just not even gonna do that <laughs> so what was your uh what was your favorite obstacle out there oh gosh my favorite one I like when we, I liked like the kiss of mud ones where you go underneath the barbed wire and you got to crawl and the mud's all over you. And you're just like, it sucks. Like your forearms, you know, are all bruised up, but man, I feel like a badass when I do that. Like I am like army crawling through it. I like it. It's one of my favorite ones. I just, I like getting muddy anyways. It's like the one time where I'm a mom and I can get completely dirty and it's acceptable. <laughs> so I like it. That's one of my favorites. I have to go with that probably. This sport and def- is definitely for you. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I think I found the love of what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> I bet you've been telling yourself, I wish I'd have found this years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then again, it's like everything happens for a reason and everything is supposed to happen when it's supposed to happen. So maybe this was just, you know, the next chapter of my life. And now we do these and like my kids really like coming to them and they just, they like, they can't wait till they can do it. Mm. So it's cool that I'm like giving them that opportunity to see and something for them to look forward to. And like my husband with him crewing me, I mean, he's crewed me. I don't even know how many times and it's not fun. Like, it's not like the funnest thing ever to spend all weekend, like waiting for me. And especially the ones that were like, I have a, a start and a stop and you're following me with a car. He's done that several times. It's a long weekend at least with this, like he loves it. He loves like seeing other people and like everyone's just like high-fiving and it's a good community of people. So I think secretly like this is like his favorite thing. He's like, so we're coming back next year, right? So what other ones you want to do next year? I'm like, we'll we'll get the agenda down. Like, don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, because the pit area and the finish line, I mean, it's like a party, you know, there's always music playing. Like I can drink beer and make sure you're alive. It's all good. (laughs) Right. You know, when everybody out here is cool and it's like a big community and a family, you know, even though they are strangers, they're all there for the same purpose. You know, it's like you could probably you could trust your kids being in this crowd where it's like if you were like a big marathon, you 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 wouldn't you probably wouldn't trust your kids walking around as much, you know? Yeah. That's the other thing, too, is like I feel safe and especially with like my anxiety and stuff like I just feel safe which is a really good feeling when it comes to racing that I don't have all the time. So that's also another good thing. Like the people that I met at Philly, I mean, instantly, like we were messaging on Facebook, they're like my next best friend. And so when we got to Pittsburgh, it was like, I got to meet even more. And then we were at worlds, like everybody that helps, 
on, you know, Mutterhorn. Oh, thank you. <laughs> at Mutterhorn and the walls and then Everest. They are incredible. And mm -hmm. I got to meet prior to Worlds and it was like, oh, you're going to be there. Okay, awesome. I literally, every time that I was there, I would give them a hug every loop and just tell them like, I, I love you and I appreciate you because honestly, like you are helping us. You are giving up your time in the race to spend with us and help us get to our goals. And that's amazing. So I'm just was very thankful. I love them. They're just like, I still message them and I'm like, I miss you. Can't wait till next year. Right. Those, those guys that stand on top of Everest all night long. I mean, those guys are tough. I mean, I'm oh. sure their shoulders and biceps and arms are wrecked the next day, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, they have to be. Um, my last loop, my coach at home was watching me and she was like, you look like a rag doll going up Everest. Like you literally like just lay there and you're like, help me and just get dragged up. And I'm like, I know, I really, I felt like, a, I felt like one, <laughs> but they're so helpful. Like I couldn't do that without them. So it's just, they're just amazing people. Yeah, they are all the, all the people that I think they had some people that were at Mutterhorn doing the same thing and usually Dublin walls. There'll be some people there helping too. It's amazing. Yep. Those guys are awesome. And they, they are they make everybody's world and race easier for sure. They do. They do. Like I, I try to think about it and I'm like, gosh, if they weren't there, like, what would we do? Like, that would be very, I don't even know. Cause it would be, it would be really difficult. So they, they're like angels, literally angels. Absolutely. So was there ever like a time during this race where you just had like a low point and you were like, what am I doing out here? This is stupid. I want to quit. Was there ever a time like that during the race? No, to be completely honest with you, like there was not one thought of like quitting or like, what am I doing? Um, I was so excited to be there. And then like the whole time I was there, like I was honestly in a really good place. So I didn't have any of those thoughts. I mean, I was tired and I got to a point like my nighttime loops that I was telling you, like, I don't really remember. And I wish I, I wish I knew what happened. Cause I really don't remember some of the nighttime. And maybe that's just like my brain fog still, but I just don't really remember. Um, but I do know when the sun came up, it was like the best thing ever. And I mean, it just, it was amazing. I don't know the whole thing. It's like, you get so excited all year. Like I was really looking forward to it. I was pumped up. My my mom came, like my brother, my kids, everybody was there. So we look forward to this event as like a patient kind of, like we were so excited about it. So the whole time I just kind of wanted to take everything in and just be really positive about it and excited. And I think I did that. Like I didn't feel any, any like this, this totally sucks, just a little bit sucks. So yeah, no, I was in a good place. That's awesome. But well, yeah, you're right. When that sun comes up in the morning, it warms your heart. You know, it's yeah. just like, let's go. 100%. You literally, so I brush my teeth too. Like first thing, and this is super weird, but I do it during ultras too. So the next morning, it's like a reset button. You brush your teeth, the sun's up and you're like, I'm a new person. All right, game time. Like, like let's go around nine. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> So you were in the quick pit brushing your teeth? Heck yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I wonder if, did anybody else brush their teeth at World Surface Mudder? I wonder if how many people were looking at so, you and being like, this girl's like in the top three and she's over here brushing her teeth. She's brushing her teeth. And the only thing <laughs> she's had to eat is ramen noodles pretty much. So <laughs> It just makes you feel like a new person. Like you feel alive. I don't know. Everyone's got to try it. Brush your teeth. You'll feel good. <laughs> Well, who knows how much muddy water you swallowed, right? So you might have had like mud, muddy water breath too, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so were you keeping up with like your placement during the race or it was all just, I'm going out here to be out here and move in 25 and a half hours? So I started asking um, like early night, like where I was, because I everyone always told me, like the race doesn't even start till nighttime. Like, don't even worry about what you're doing during the day because it does not matter. It doesn't, it doesn't really start until nighttime. So once nighttime hit, like I kind of wanted to know where I positioned. So I would ask my crew, like where I'm at, um, like, how am I doing? How far away am I from people? 
And they would just say, don't worry about it. Like you're doing good. You're doing good. And I got to a point in the early morning. I was like, where am I at though? Like I need to know so I can gauge how I run. Like that's, I really will. I'm a very mindset person where I can like switch it on and switch it off. If I know that I'm falling behind, you bet your ass, I'm going to, I'm going to put it in another gear. So I knew that I was like around, you know, third and I wanted at that point, I was like, all right, we're going for podium now. Like, I didn't think I was going to be podium at all. I'm like, I'm going into this as an underdog for sure. Like, I'm just going to try to do my best and whatever happens, happens. But once I was like at third, I'm like, I want to hold that spot. Like, I want to feel, I want to feel that. So I want to be on podium. So I wasn't actually going to go out for my last loop. Um, so the fourth place girl, she could, have. and that's what my husband was saying. Like, she could go out for another one and then you're going to be in trouble. And I'm like, oh man, I really don't want to go out for another one. Like I am getting pretty tired and my kids were out on the course and it was right before I was at Mutterhorn and they were like, mom, like you got to do another lap. Like you, you have to do it. And I'm like, I just don't want to though. <laughs> and so I got to, I got to pit and, um, they put the leader bib on me and I was like brand new person. Like I, I don't know who I was, but I was someone different. And I literally went in and I was like, give me fuel. Like we're going back out. We're doing another lap. Like I am game. Let's go. And that's, I literally, I don't know. It just changed my whole mindset, my whole body, everything. And I was like, we're doing another lap. We're going to do it. That's awesome. So when did you find, when did you find out that you were in third place and you were going to try to hold this position and you may have started pushing harder? I think it was early morning. So it had to be like seven, eight ish in the morning. Um, yeah. So I knew, I, I knew I needed to, it, and my husband's a really good liar because he'll tell me like, they're a lot closer when they might not be as close just to push me, which I'm thankful for that. Cause I'd rather that happen. So I think he was pretty much like telling me like, get your ass going, even though I was in a good seated position, but, um, I needed it. I mean, I, I needed to be pushing a little bit harder anyways. So it's like a Jedi mind trick. Guys do that to women all the time. <laughs> 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 so so when you started the race and you, you you know the faces there you you know who's good were you trying to like hang with them in the beginning or were i mean were you were your strategy to beat some of the obstacles opening or was it just to i'm just gonna flow and you know make it to the night and then decide how hard i'm gonna push um, no, I definitely wanted to go. I wanted to be consistently fast in the beginning because I wanted to beat some of the things opening up because I knew if I could get some time, that would help me because I know I'm not as strong on the obstacles. So I have to play with what I'm good at and that's running. So I knew that if I could just like push the first couple laps before things would open and I knew when things were opening too. So I was like, all right, I can dig really hard on this part, slow down a little bit on this part so I could gauge it a little bit more. And that was like my strategy. I know what I'm strong at. I know what I'm weak at. And I kind of just like hold on to those things. So I did try to go out pretty, not hard, but just like a hold it strong pretty much. So was there a time like when the night came that you said, okay, this is starting to hurt and I can tell that I'm slowing down. Yeah. I think those are the loops that I forgot about. Cause I think I did slow. <laughs> <laughs> I really do think because I did slow down tremendously. And it's funny because um, so Matt Davis was like, I heard about you and someone told me you're an ultra runner, but you know, all these ultra runners come in here and they just, they do really well. And then they just fall off. And you did that for a hot minute. And I was like, I know I did. I don't know what happened to me though, but I did fall off for a while. But then I just like woke back up. Like I just, I don't know if maybe I, I did, I woke up because I don't remember those laps. <laughs> so, I mean, I think during the nighttime, like my mind too, like was tired. So that was one thing when they started asking me those math questions and stuff, I was getting nervous about them. Like <laughs> I, I'm not good at math to begin with. So I was like, Oh crap. And I got the same problem wrong three times. And I'm like, what is going on? It was like a plus plus minus. And I was doing plus plus plus. And I told the guy, I'm like, it's, I think I said like 14 and I said it three times. And I'm like, I don't know why you keep telling me it's wrong. It's clearly right. And he's like, <laughs> minus there. And I was like, oh, that guy. Oh yeah, there is definitely a minus there. 
So like, I think my mind was a little bit getting tired at nighttime. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, that was a little not good. <laughs> so you had about an extra 15 minutes to your total time because of these math problems. Stupid math problems. <laughs> <laughs> daughter's math before I came. <laughs> That's hilarious. I remember this math problem too, because I remember looking at it because it's like four or five different numbers and they're not big numbers, but it's like plus, plus, no. minus, plus, and, you know, and you're like, yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's, you, you have to be mentally awake to kind of figure exactly. it out, you know. It's not exactly. super difficult and it was probably the same problem that I had. I'm sure they... <laughs> <laughs> So it's probably the same answer, you know, every time you come through. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. <laughs> so what was the best part about oh. the race to you? It was all of it. I seriously, like, it was honestly the best day of my life. Like, I was telling my friend, I'm like, God, it's right up there from when I got married and had my kids. Like, it was literally the best day. I just had so much fun. Like, it was just fun time, like, fun vibes and the whole thing was awesome. But I, I mean, I think the finish is always amazing because you're just so on cloud 12, like you're just so excited and everyone's just cheering you on and so pumped up. And I think seeing my kids at the finish line and like, they were so proud and so happy. And I'm like, holy crap, like I'm a cool mom now. Like they yeah. actually look right now. <laughs> like though it was a good feeling. Like we have this video of my son and you know he's 11 so he's getting at the age where it's kind of like I give him a hug and he's like okay mom like you know I'm too cool there's a video I'm coming through the finish and he gave me the biggest hug ever like he was truly proud of me and I was I just I'm gonna hold on to that forever like it was literally like just the best memory I have it locked in like I will always remember that moment forever like it was just so good so good oh that's sweet <laughs> yeah it was awesome Okay, now I want the reverse of that question. What was the worst part about the race? Oh, goodness. <laughs> the worst part. I don't know, probably the morning when I thought I was like all good with the obstacles because they dried out. And then I was totally like, mm, yeah, never mind. My whole body is not working when I just fell completely off the obstacle. And that sucked because I felt so strong. And I was like, I got this. And I did not have it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That was a sucky moment because then you just know like, oh man, like my whole upper body is just not working. And I think a lot of it too is like, you don't realize all the muscles you really do use. Like when you're crawling through things and you're on your forearms and coach's corner, when you're like literally crawling and you can't see the net inside. I don't know if you heard about coach's corner when like you literally couldn't see inside. It was, yeah, I, I saw the live feed of it. They went in there one oh, time. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was it, that I was like turned backwards at one point and went back up to the ladder. And I was like, what am I doing? That's not even the right way. It was crazy, but you use so much of all of your body and you don't realize it until all of a sudden you go to use a part of your muscle and you just can't use it anymore. <laughs> mm. So that was probably my sucky moment is when I realized my upper body was just shot. <laughs> if you could go back to the beginning of the weekend and do it all over again, what would you do differently? Hmm. To be honest, I don't think I would do anything differently. I think what happened needed to happen and everything literally fell into place exactly where it needed to fall. And I had, I'm so blessed that I had a really great race and a good mental place. Um, and now I have more of like what I want to accomplish. And it gave me more of like a push that I needed. So I probably wouldn't change anything. I'm just really looking forward to the future to use like all of that energy towards even a bigger goal. What advice would you give to somebody who is doing world's toughest motor for the first time? I would tell them to take every minute in, like literally take it all in, be super present because it is literally, it can be the best day and best night of your life if you want it to be. So just take it in and be as present as possible. And you are definitely coming back next year, correct? Oh, heck yeah. Like, so looking forward to it. Can't even wait. <laughs> right on. Uh, Stephanie, I'm out of questions, but everybody I bring on to the show, I ask the same three questions. And I, I may already know the answer to this first question. 
to this day, what has been your most favorite race and why? Wow, that's a that's a tricky one. I have to dig deep for that one. Um, I have to say my favorite race of all time would have to be we went back to Boston after the bombings the year after, and that was my overcome race where I had to retract my steps that I went in when the bombs went off. And that was the hardest moment of my entire life, but I needed closure in order to move on. So we went back and I completed the race and I was really thankful that I did that. And it made me the runner that I am today. So I'm my I'm best one. I imagine when you come to that finish line, your heart rate data was like beaten out of your chest. Oh, I actually fell to the ground before I got to the finish and was like, I don't know if I'm going to crawl. I don't know if I'm going to run. Like I was so emotional because like the last time I was there was just, it was totally different. So, and I didn't get to finish the year before. So I was literally stopped at 26.1. So I had to like, this is, I got to finish the race this time. Um, but it was the best finish ever. Like it, I knew it would change my life and it really did. That's awesome. So now I want the, the opposite of that question to this day, okay. what's been your least favorite race and why? So not this past summer, the summer before I did a backyard ultra. And I always tell people that like, it's not just physically training, but you have to mentally train yourself. And if you're not mentally in the game, you're going to have a really hard time. And I made the day fine nighttime hit and my crew left for nighttime. And I was, it is because they needed, I mean, my husband had to go put my kids to bed and stuff, but mm. I was not in a good place and I knew it. And I don't get that low very often. I'm a very like happy go lucky person. I'm very like blessed for my ability to run. So I don't get low very often. I was not in a good place at all. Like I was mentally done and checked out and I literally picked up the phone. I got back to my pit and I did not go out on the next loop. I think I was at 70, like seven, I didn't even make it to a hundred. I was at 72 or 70, I think it was 74. And got back and I picked up my phone and I was like, I called them and I was like, you need to come pick me up. Like I'm all done. And I've never done that before. Like never. Um, but now, I mean, I'm, it's, I hate that it happened, but it makes me look back and be like, it will never happen again. Like that, that moment will never come. I only will have positive, positive energy. Like there's, there's no way. Like even leading up to a race the week prior, I do so much mental prep just because I know that I have to be in a mental place, like a really good mental place in order to get through the race. So like, there's no arguing in my house. There's no fighting. Like we, we have only positive energy around us. Sounds really silly, but I really think that like, if you're in a bad spot, you're going to have a shitty run. So I bet that race ate at you for a while after you quit it, oh, didn't it? I, it was so bad. I was, yeah, I was down in the dumps for a long time. Like, how did I do that? Why, why did I do that? I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> I sleep deprived and all by yourself, you know, it's probably all, by, I, all alone. I had no friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my last question is, is how do you prep for a race? Like, let's say your race is a 6 a.m. start on Saturday. What is your race ritual? What are you doing all day Friday? What do you do Saturday morning before the race? Tell us your secrets so we can get 85 miles or 100 plus miles at World's Toughest Mudder. Uh, I don't think there's much secret. I don't change anything. So that's my whole, maybe that's the secret is that I don't change the way I eat. I don't change, like I don't, not run on the day before a race. I run the day before a race. Like I don't change anything because it's just another day. It's just another race. I go into it just as, as I would any other day. So that's what I tried to look at it as. So I don't eat any differently. I go to bed probably way too late. I don't probably get enough sleep. <laughs> I wake up, have my coffee because I need to have my coffee before I function and do anything in life. Absolutely. So I'll, yeah, there's like, I don't even no, I'm not even existent until I have my coffee, have my coffee. Um, I get excited. I play some music, probably not the best music for my kids to listen to, but I play it nice and loud and sing it and 
get excited and pumped up and yeah, that's about it. <laughs> what music are you listening to that's not appropriate for your kids? Everybody I, wants to know. It might be a little Eminem. It might drop a couple of the F bombs and stuff, but I mean they're kids. They're okay. They'll they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Stephanie. Um, I'm all out of questions. Is there anything you want to add here? Do you have any sponsors? You want to thank anybody? Where can people follow you on Instagram or Facebook? Yeah, so I pretty much I just want to thank like my my pit crew and everyone I met because they're just so awesome. Like I wouldn't be able to do the things that I do without them. That's for dang sure. Um, you don't have the support then it makes it really difficult. So I'm really thankful for my family and all the people that I met because they are awesome. Um, literally talking to them, you just meet so many new friends. And I, I love that about the sport. You know, people think you're crazy and then they meet all your friends and they're like, dang, you got some crazy friends too. Maybe you're normal. Mm. So, <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram. Oh gosh. What is my, what is my username? It was just, it Ste was Steph Bland, wasn't it? Well, that's my name on there. Can you look me up that way? I'm not that cool. I think so. I think I think you can Let's look me see. up. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I think my username is like Steffi something BS or something. I don't know. What is it? I don't know. I'm trying to look. <laughs> it should be right here. It's Steph Bland. I was right. It's just Steph Bland. Oh, and there you go. Steph Bland. Or maybe it yeah. just comes up. That's the way it shows it by the name. It's, uh, it's Steffi underscore BS. See, you got it. That's it. But you could probably just type in your name and it would pop. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And good luck at World's Toughest Mudder next year. I will see you there if I don't see you before then. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You, you rock. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Stephanie again for taking time to talk to us and wish her luck on World's Toughest Mudder 2024. I will be there. Looking forward to it. Central Florida. It's only a four-hour drive away from my house, depending on where the venue is. Maybe they'll tell us what that is soon. Newberry Ultra Trifecta Weekend is upon us. It's this weekend. The map is not out yet. The race program is. The race program clearly states you will do the ultra loop on both laps. Um, Not really a whole lot of other information in that program. Uh, there's an elevation profile in there. It says 3,700 feet of climbing. I seriously doubt that because when we did the super in Newberry, we got 519 feet. I did with my watch. In Fayetteville for the Super, we got 306. In Tryon, we got 1,000 feet for, and these are super distances. So that's why I say this race will be a little more hillier than, a little more hilly than Fayetteville, but less hilly than Tryon. Does that make sense? Just comparing the three venues there. This is a cool venue because the town is so welcoming to the racers. The downtown area had signs up for Spartan races with the logos and everybody come in. There was discounts to the restaurants. And what's cool is, is I don't know if you listened to the interview I did with Jason Barnes, but half of this race will be on public land and half of it will be on private property. That's the way it was last year. Well, now another private owner has decided to help out to get us that extra distance for, you know, the half marathon distance and the ultra distance. So we're going to be on two private owners land and public trail usage land. And I just think it's really cool how the communities come together to help put this event on. I just think that's really awesome. It was a great venue. It was a great super course, so I'm hoping that the Beast and the Ultra Beast course will be a good course, too. There was some heel, up and down hills. There was like a power line road that we ran down where you went in and out of the woods some. So it was pretty cool. I enjoyed the race. 
it was very hot when we were there because I want to say it was in July or August last year when we were there. It was a great venue. Great venue. I remember the dunk wall being so deep. It was like probably five feet of water deep. Like we were diving under it. It was cool. It was fun. But anyway, the weather looks good this weekend. It looks like a low 50. The highs are going to be in the 70s. That's perfect running weather. Perfect. Perfect. Um, guys, if you see me out there, come up to me and say what's up. If you see me on course, cheer me on. And uh, like I said, I usually talk to everybody that I pass by. It gets my mind off the race. And it gets, it gets you know, it's just something to take your train of thought off of the suffering, you know, when you're talking to people on course. And I like meeting new people anyways. Of course, you already know that. But anyway, if you see me out there, come and say what's up. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And I hope to see you this weekend. We'll see you at the race. Peace.